Welcome to the broadcast, another episode after the Brazilian Grand Prix last weekend. Um, we had amazing performance by Lewis Hamilton, he won the race. Um, we had penalties galore and a very interesting sprint weekend. We're going to talk about um, the race itself and Hamilton's performance, um, about the pace difference made of Mercury, Mercedes and Red Bull, and of course the incident between Verstappen and Hamilton as well as in the race, some of the, the collisions that took place between Science and Norris, Stroll and Sonoda. And then we're going to look at qualifying, um, those penalties. So, for example, Hamilton's rear win, did that deserve penalty for Stappen touching it? Um, we'll look at uh, some more interesting smaller points of qualifying, like the TVR qualifying, Russell and Mazepin being upset with his performance. And then we're going to look at the constructor battles further down the grid. So, McLaren, Ferrari, how's that going? which teams ahead, and then Alpine and AlphaTauri before finally doing our impressed, unimpressed segment. And as ever, I've got my twin and my friend James on Hello. the pod, and uh, we'll dive straight in. So I think the, the headline from the weekend really was Hamilton's performance. Um, it was faultless. Um, he obviously started P20, this went um, qualifying despite, despite uh, normal qualifying, but P1 because of his Rear win penalty. He got up to P5 in 24 laps. And then the five a grid place penalty he got for um, changing his a part of his engine put into P10. But on Sunday's race, he got went from P10 to P1. Um, he did absolutely nothing one in my book, I think. Yeah, I mean, perfect was, performance. Yeah, I mean, was, I thought the, the sprint was the most impressive, to be honest. I think in the, what, the third of a race, he made 15 positions. Kind of insane, really. I mean, slightly damning indictment of the. Well, I don't know. It's a sign that the Mercedes engine is quite something when they roll out a new one. The, the, the speed delta they seem to get between the, uh, an old engine and a new one is insane. But that is not to take away from the fact that he overtook, when you think about it, 25 cars because he started 20th and then he got booted back five places again I mean that's just insane yeah I, I agree this, this sprint is more impressive because I think it was by about lap five or six they Mercedes inverted the cars and so Hamilton was third um, mm. and he sort of was helped by an incident or two um, at the start say Norris for example and Sides um, but yes, um, I, the split, for me, the, the reason he won was the sprints. Because if he didn't get yeah. up to P5 and he didn't start P10, it would have taken much longer to get up to the Red Bulls and he wouldn't have the tire life to be able to do it. And probably Verstappen would have left with more points over the weekend. Um, and yes, yeah. maybe he had a faster car, we'll get to that. But still, I mean, you may have a faster car, but to get from P20 at the start of the first of the two races to P1 by the end of the second, you have to be faultless and you have to execute every single opportunity which he did and that is the sign of a great driver which he is um and if he keeps yeah. that form up he is going to be very difficult to beat and he's certainly not out of it i think mm. yeah especially yes. given the two races we're going mm. to next yeah exactly and they could be mercedes tracks we'll see though um obviously the, one of the big events of the race was the turn four i think it's turn four incident between um max and lewis um, where I think it was like the second or third time Hamilton tried to pass 
Maxwell used a little, he went to the inside, Hamilton went to the outside, looked at Hamilton just squeezed ahead because Max had the inside line, he could break slightly later, and they both ended up going wide and we're using the runoff to come back onto the track. It's so controversial because at the time it was noted by the stewards, which don't mean they investigate, but they determined whether they should investigate and they decided not to because they didn't have the onboard footage. And now, a few days later, the Mercedes have got the onboard footage and they've requested a right to review. So it's going to go on for a while, but who knows what will happen. But firstly, what did you make of the incident? It was a bit odd, the, the not having access to the um, onboard originally. I mean, it, it, yeah, it did seem very strange. First of all, I don't know why they didn't have access to the onboard. You'd think they'd have access to everything. Um, and then secondly, I don't know. I mean, I think, to be honest, I thought it was the right decision not to penalise him just because there wasn't any contact um, and you do want to let them race. At the same time, I do think if you're going to investigate, you shouldn't just write it off until you've seen the onboard. So uh, I thought it was pretty badly handled again. I, I don't think the stewards had a great year, to be honest. Um, but it was it was spicy, that is definitely the case. Mm. I guess, yes, without the onboard, you cannot tell. That was obvious. Or just the overhead cameras or the helicopter or anything like that. You can tell they both go wide, but it's, it's, it's to understand who's at fault and how much. You have to have the most finite in detail sort of um, cameras and information. And we didn't have that. Um, and I don't know why we didn't have the inboard camera. And they're going to have to fix that because they need immediate decisions. And if the reason they simply did not take a decision was they didn't have the right camera, that's not good enough. They've got to solve that. Um, yeah. I think even when we do now have the onboard footage, I still think it's it's Max is clearly more at fault. I'm sure he did it deliberately, but it's not necessarily as bad as perhaps you would have predicted initially, given mm -hmm. the footage at the time. Um, but I, I would I would be it would be very annoying if either team at the end of the season looks back and says that's where we lost it. That was unfair because yeah, we just exactly. went to be on the track. Um, yeah. But that's the problem with steward decisions like this. If it was absolute, yeah, that wouldn't happen, but it's not. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of the Vettel Canada 2019 thing. And he gets a five second penalty and there's absolute uproar. I, I think a lot of the, quite often at least, the, the judgment among the fan base is massively biased by who's involved. Um, but then mm. I think, I don't know. I think it, it, it was difficult. I, I, I don't personally think it was really a penalty, but it, 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 an investigation investigate properly, and it was a bit embarrassing that they did. That's not how you want to decide it. No, no, it's not. Um, but it, 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 it's not what we want for the championship. What is interesting for the championship, though, and what might not be for the championship is, evidently, for whatever reason, Mercedes took a big step forward this weekend. Um, mm. They had a much faster car, at least Hamilton's car was much faster than the Red Bulls. Throughout practice and qualifying, he was several attempts ahead, and in the race, his race pace was very good. Um, and yeah. that sort of brought up some questions because it's been weird this season. My son, like Red Bulls, sometimes going ahead, and then after the break in the first races, Mercedes were ahead, but then the US and uh, Mexico clearly Red Bull were faster. And so it sort of fluctuates, mm. so it's hard to tell, but it is a very important trend because a huge golf this weekend between the two teams yeah. it's a huge jump i mean how teams. much of it how much of that is just the new engine it's difficult to say because you don't have the the sort of um 
yeah, you, you, we haven't had a direct comparison for ages because different drivers have been taking different engines. Um, so the, the, I'd, I'd be interested to know when the last race was where Max and Lewis had engines of the same age. I imagine yes. a while. So it, it's difficult to compare them. Uh, I suppose it's especially interesting given Brazil was supposed to be a Red Bull track. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hamilton especially had unbelievable straight line speed all weekend. And I think that is probably because, well, he had the new engine. I mean, my, Christian Horner said when, uh, I can't remember what session, but during one of the sessions when they went over the pit wall, that Mercedes had a big, they have a big drop off with their engines, or well, this year they do anyway. Uh, so when they get a new one, obviously, sounds to reason that they're going to get a big jump in performance, which Red Bull haven't had when they've got new engines. So it, it was striking. It would be interesting to see how much that carries over to um, Qatar, where there is a lot of straights. Um, but yeah, it was definitely something. Yes, I, I feel like obviously the new engine makes a huge difference, um, having that new part. Um, means they are going to be quicker. And also, if they know Hamilton starting at the back, they will turn the engine up all the way because he's going to need all the power in the world to get up to any position to challenge Verstappen starting at the front. Yeah. Um, so it will, I imagine, the performance get closer again, um, yeah. which will yeah. please Red Bull. But if Mercedes can put any of this pace, any of this momentum forward, that's seriously worrying. And I think they will be very pleased that they have they're small, but still their points buffer. Because um, it might prove crucial. Yeah, it's about that much. Because um, it would have been, if Hamilton didn't get moved down, it was, as Brundle said on commentary, it would have been a 14 point swing. And it would have then been over yeah. 25 points to Verstappen, which would have meant he had a yeah. race advantage, which would have been huge. And huge just psychologically, it's more than anything else. And so it was a, a big, big moment in the title. Um, but we'll see what happens. A lot will still happen. All right, moving away from that, still in the race. More um, than quite a lot of the previous races, we've had a lot of some collisions. So we have the first safety car in a while, a number of races. Um, and in the first few laps, we had several cars coming together. So we're going through them one by one. So we had Science and Norris, even before court, turn one, lap one, uh, they yeah. collided when Norris had a better start. He was behind uh, Science at B5 and uh, uh, Science was P3. Uh, science, uh, it was nice, but to the outside, they uh, collided wheels, and very unfortunately, uh, his Norris's tire went, and he had to pit on that one. Um, so, what, who, what yeah. did you make of it? Who do you think was at fault? It was, a, it was a, it was a classic. I don't know. It, it gave me flashbacks to mine got Mustafa very much. Yes, the Ferraris. You know, one Ferrari arguably moving over slightly. To, well, it wasn't the one Ferrari, but you know what I mean. Mm. And one, one yeah. Ferrari involved in a collision where the car on the right moved slightly to the left wheels and cause a puncture um yeah i mean mm. it was unfortunate i think yeah i think so because yeah. like how many times have you seen a car find wheels in that way and nothing happens it's it, it's very unlucky when it does happen and i mean if no you know i started p5 and he finished p10 which was a good recovery that is crucial points lost and like if he did yeah finish p10 that's 10 points so theoretically they've lost nine points from that, mm. that one unlucky moment. And given how close the constructors battle is between the two teams, that could prove crucial. I think it was Norris's fault though, definitely. He did move ever so slightly across and ultimately that's what brought them together. But it was 
it was a bit um, uh, unlucky. All right. Um, so yeah, the other collision was between Stroll and Sonoda, yeah. which happened a few yes. laps later. It caused the safety car, and Sonoda got a 10-second penalty for it. It caused a lot of damage, and just parts flying everywhere. And because there were yeah. so many bits of carbon fiber, etc., across the track, it caused a safety car and that actually helped Lewis Hamilton a lot because it brought the field together. Um, what did you make of that one? Yeah, it was, I mean, Martin, but Martin Rundle said, I should imagine these, I can't remember if he said this specifically, but I imagine he said, it's day late and a dollar short. So he does tend yeah. to say, because <laughs> yeah. it was a day late and a dollar short. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was, a, it was a bit of a, I can't remember, where was Sonoda starting? It was near the back. I can't remember. Yeah, was it wasn't, it wasn't high up. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, it was eager to make up places early in the, uh, in the race. Mm. And, you know, I've done that move many times on the F1 game. You just throw yeah. it down the inside into someone <laughs> and it was never going to go well. I, I yeah. mean, sometimes the thing that confuses me about those accidents is, I mean, well, I'm no Formula One driver, but from the onboard at least, it looked like Sonoda, I mean, it looked like he didn't sort of appear out of nowhere. Uh, Stroll mm. presumably could see him. So I never, I don't understand why in those situations the guy on the outside just turns in. Um, I guess it's, it's, it's like reactions you would need that yeah. extraordinary. But then I, I think like, I don't know if this is a fair opinion, but like you compare this to the move Hamilton made or Norris, which is probably his best of the weekend, bar maybe for Stappen. He sent it down the inside. The only reason I wasn't in collision was that Norris just backed out. He didn't want yeah. anything to do with it. Well, that's that make, makes a big difference because if you're Norris, you're not going to fight because you know, yes, you're not going to, he's not, these are not your fight, really. Um, mm. and whereas, yeah, that, that probably did contribute, but also, I think mm. it was. I mean, you could, yeah. you could just see on the when they played the replay that, that it was always going to end in a crash. It was, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I thought the 10 second penalty was fair because it was proportionate to the um, sort of injury Stroll's car had that he had performance issues throughout the race. And ultimately, mm. tired because of them, they thought it wasn't worth draining the engine in the car anymore when he wasn't getting any of the points because his mm. engine was not his engine, sorry, his, his car was so badly damaged. Mm. Um, and I don't think 10 seconds probably is maybe even not proportionate enough compared to 40 or 50 laps running with damage. Um, I mean, I think when you bear in mind that the boss Assassin's, uh, it went strong, in fact, got five plays grip penalties for the, the bowling game they did mm. in, in Hungary. I mean, it's just another example of the stewards being a bit insane. To be honest. I mean, 10 yeah, second penalty, I, I know it's different, mm. but uh, to me, 10 second penalty and a five place grip penalty are not that far apart. And what Sonoda did and what Bottas and Stroll did are extremely different. I guess it's because Sonoda wasn't out of the race at the time and Stroll yeah. and Bottas were. But yeah, yeah and but also, I guess, also. As, uh, in that case in Hungary, Bottas and Stroll caused other cars to, you know, um, just um, get out of the yeah. race immediately. Yeah, exactly. That's but why I think yes. it should have been it should have been yeah. harsher. The, the, yeah. I mean, yeah. when, that seems extremely lenient compared to Sonoda uh, getting ten seconds for, you know, I mean, <laughs> plowing into the side of the last Stroll, but neither of them retired directly, mm. and it was only one of the car. But I think, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's a strange. Strange incident, but I, I think the stewards have definitely still got something to look at. They have, they always have. Um, all right, so we'll move on then from the race to the sprint race and qualifying. Um, so we'll first talk about all the penalties because that was a major mm. thing that happened between the two sessions between qualifying and the sprint race. Um, so the uh, after Hamilton got his pole, 
uh, on Friday, he a standard FIA test where they checked the width of the DRS win and they found it to be too large. And as a result, he was given, he was disqualified from the session. So he started at the back. And then um, after this, when this emerged, Red Bull knew of this because they reported it after qualifying, uh, Verstappen touched, felt, you can argue which way you want, which, how, how hard he touched it, touched Hamilton's rear wind to test it. And you can't do that until the end of the uh, end of the Sunday's race. You can't touch any other car. And so he got a fine, 50,000 euro fine. And it was very controversial because, of course, it could change the direction of the race completely. Between the two championship rivals are going at loggerheads this year. It was high drama. Did you think the penalties were fair? I think it was a bit overblown, to be honest. I mean, at the end of the day, Alton's was a technical infringement and technical infringements are technical infringements. You can't really argue your way out of them. And it was pretty obvious that Verstappen, as a mortal man, could not have torn a DRS, uh, you know, opening that's supposed to withstand, uh, I don't know, in, in intense forces, basically. So I think it was, I'm not going to say it was a manufactured drama, but it, it was, uh, I think, definitely interesting. And I was also updating, you know, refreshing Twitter and stuff because I wanted to find out what the judgment was going to be. But I do feel like it was probably a bit overblown. And I think it was just another example of Mercedes Red Bull animosity that I don't really understand the intensity of, to be honest. Because sure, they're rivals, but I, and they, they say some stuff in the media sometimes. But I, I don't know. I, I thought I thought the whole thing was overblown, to be honest. Um, yeah, it was. I, I agree. Because, I mean, it's not going to go um, down alongside Senna and Prost in Japan, yeah. is it? I mean, it's, yes. it's not exactly. The, yeah, I mean, sending uh, complaints to the stewards isn't quite the same as hiding on track. I agree. But I feel like, what, what else was there to do? If you've broken the technical rules, you are disqualified. That's what happens. You can't, as Martin Bonner said on commentary, you can't just um, compromise a little bit. Okay, you've only sent to be sorry, so we'll let you off this time. It has to be absolute, otherwise the rules are meaningless. And if the, yeah. if the rules say, and infringement on technical regulations, that means your car is not legal means you're disqualified you have to be disqualified and equally you can't go around and touch other people's cars before the race is done because who knows what you could do who knows what person yeah. they could set so of course there had to be some kind of punishment you can argue Definitely. whether they're fair or not i think they are personally um but i, I didn't think it was much of a drama to it um, i just thought it was actually yeah. good stewarding for once yes um, i would agree and it took them so blooming long though uh, yes odd, yeah that was i mean bad. i suppose they had to do they were probably yeah. all they were probably also aware that they could, given the, well, you're just given the background, you know, it's Max, it's Lewis, it's mm. the greatest in the championship. They, they couldn't be seen to rush. Yeah. But it was a bit ridiculous, it took them so long. Yeah. But yes. Or Lewis with his fine after the race are, you know, I don't think they're going to be struggling financially. No. It's obviously a token no. punishment, really, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Um, so everything about qualifying was just a few interesting sort of um, battles and moments that were down the field. So in Friday qualifying for the first time in their, in their multiple years together as teammates, the Latifi out-qualified Russell, um, which is a very really big moment. Um, it will be a big boost for him and for the team, but of course he's continuing with them and it will sort of validate the, the view of sticking with him. Um, and Latifi has improved a lot in my opinion. Um, like yeah, he I has agree. obviously got points, 
he has got use of the car and he has been fairly well proven. Um, he will pose a bigger test when he's up against Albon because no one expects him to beat Russell. Everyone knows he's an incredible yeah. talent. But when he's good against his second driver and when he's been in the car much longer than Albon has, that's when he's going to be tested. And if he performs very badly against him, like five, six, seven, eight times down in qualifying, he's going to face a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, and even his money may not save him. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, yeah, it was interesting that he out-qualified Russell. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, definitely that he, that he was faster than him in one qualifying session, but I also don't think that makes him, you know, suddenly a, a genuine midfielder, mid, midfield driver, you know, to go qualify a guy once in, I don't know, how many races they've had together. They've been together two years, so, what, 35 races or something? Um, but, yes, I agree. I definitely think Latifi's uh, improved a lot. To think he was sort of... I mean, I think he's probably been helped by the fact there's been three rookies this year who've... <laughs> Basically, being worse to put it bluntly, um, so sort of made him look a bit better. But he's definitely yes. improved, and even if his qualifying pace is not spectacular, he has, I think, proven to be pretty decent. Uh, you know, I mean, Hungary was good performance, for example. You know, he, he I think, he, yeah, he's justified in he's justified retaining a seat at Williams, even if I think, he, I think he's justified retaining a seat at Williams as they currently are. I don't think he's justified keeping a seat at Williams. And that's a sort of ambitious Williams that wants to be a title contender again. Yeah. But it was it was definitely uh, some uh, you know a landmark moment <laughs> uh, mm. to see Mr. Saturday beaten by Mr. Yes. I don't know BMW M3 when he was 18. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, talking of like those rookies you mentioned, an interesting moment happened for one of them who's perhaps less popular, Nikita Mazepin. Perhaps. Um, so predictably, yes, perhaps he put up at the back. Um, there he is in a race between one other driver because that's all he has the machinery for. Um, but he was very disappointed in himself. He was only even emotional in his post qualifying press uh, sort of interview and the pen because he felt he could have done a lot better and he made a mistake in 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 the just ahead head into the last sector of the tr- of the track. And when he had been on a really good lap, but he thought he could out qualify Schumacher and put down a mark about his talent. And I don't know about you, but I, I sort of, I, I did a feel for him. I thought he was a guy who has faced a lot of pressure, a lot of stress from what he's been doing this year. And because of the incident at the start of the year, he was obviously very unpopular. But here's a guy who is, yes, he has a lot of money, but he has achieved his dream. He has his Formula One, and now he is the boogeyman. He is disliked. And that is difficult yeah. of all that pressure. And his seat may be secure, but if people think you're not good enough, that hurts. Yeah. Um, putting aside yes, what I, I think of him and what he's done before, which is terrible, you can see how the criticism he gets can get on someone's shoulders. Yes. Yes, I agree. I, to be honest, the main thing I picked out of that interview was when he said that he'd not driven Brazil on the sim before, which is just mm. insane. I mean, how does an F Formula One team operate? I know Haas don't have a sim. They have to use Ferrari's sim. Mm. Uh, or Mick does, anyway. I mean, it, it's insane that there's a Formula 1 team operating on that sim mm. and to think that Grosjean and Magnussen nearly dragged that team P4 and the Constructors in 2018 mm. yes. without a simulator is crazy so what I yeah. mean yeah you got to feel sorry for you know you got to feel sorry for him on the human sort of human level definitely yeah um, uh, and it was interesting to see the sort of emotion you don't often I would say see that 
Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting and insight into the sort of I don't know the pressure that is put on Formula One drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, but the, yeah, my my main takeaway was how does Haas not have a simulator? Yes, I know. Haas needs to reach into his pockets. I think he does. How are they ever going to improve? Like they say about they put everything in twenty twenty two. That's why their car was awful. They haven't improved it at all. But mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have the basis like a simulator, and they might have the you know the new F one game, but that's not much of a sim. I know what Gunter would say. It makes them look like. Yes, um, uh, but yeah, they they clearly investment, and I I know the aim is to try and get up a few places next year. But I, to be honest, I don't see it happening. Unfortunately, I reckon um, next year they're going to come out with the W fourteen. They're going to call it, and it's going to be <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love that if that um, happened. They come, a good sign that comes out, and they've just produced the fastest <laughs> motor car in history. I, I'm really glad uh, that happened. And then Make Netflix sure Drive Survive would be something else. Yeah, happy Gunter. Well, he would still, yeah, but we haven't seen that Gunter before. Well, that's true, but I reckon that would be, I don't think that would be as good. I mean, it'd be funny yeah. to begin with, but it's not It's not what you want, you know. Well, we have it's a like, new house team. I don't know who, who would replace Gunter. Maybe Gunter's just too unique. Yeah, then Gunter would, a... he'd resign. <laughs> you go to the bottom place team and build them up. Um, if there wasn't emotional right. turmoil to experience, so that's, yeah. that's what he's in it for. Yeah. Um, all right. So the other thing we're going to look at is there's now three races to go in the season: Qatar, Saudi Arabia, UAE. And there's a lot. There's a few sort of less talked about but important constructors battles, and that may prove key for 2022 and 2023 because there's millions of dollars at stake here. So of course, as you've mentioned before. There was the fight for P3 and the constructors, which is a lot of money between McLaren, Ferrari, Everton, Ferrari. Um, so we'll talk about them first. And you know, certainly in Brazil, uh, Ferrari had a very good race. They finished P5 and P6. Um, McLaren only scored one point. Um, so it's a huge sprint of Ferrari, and they now lead, I think, by nearly 15 points at the championship. Yeah, it's a big and they're probably odds on um, to do it. Yeah. McLaren had terrible luck since they won in Monza, which and I suppose actually since they lost in Sochi, which makes sense. Um, yeah. So I think it's currently advantage Ferrari. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a weird. Uh, I don't know. I kind of think of this battle as the battle of the top two next year. If you're mm. an optimist, I think. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm always surprised by the, by the fact that Ferrari. Are on top. I, in fact, I'm su- kind of surprised they're close. I think it's just because I'm biased by the fact McLaren won in Monza with a one-two, and I think, well, there's no way Ferrari ever got that many points. But I guess they've just put in consistently Leclerc P4 or Sainz has got a couple of P3s. Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely. I mean, uh, it definitely a step. I think that's perhaps a narrative that's been a bit forgotten this year. Is Ferrari this year compared to last year? The step mm-hmm. forward they've made is insane. In one yeah. year with such minimal regulation changes. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think Carlos Sainz said in his, his interview with Lando the other day that McLaren should go well in, I think it was Qatar or Saudi Arabia, I can't mm. remember. Yeah. Because they're good in the medium speed corners or something. So that might mix things up a bit. But yeah, um, yeah it's it's a good it's it's in some recent races, it's arguably more, been more entertaining than the front battle of the front sometimes, the, the battle yeah. between the Ferraris and the McLarens. Yeah. I think in lap one in, was it Turkey? 
Oh, was it the USA? Uh, I can't the U- USA, and they were like yeah, four they into were one really corner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Two well balanced now, at least mm. now Ricardo's firing a bit better. Teams in similar machinery, scrapping over the play, you know, the midfield places. It's what you want. Yeah, it is. I think. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the key to Ferrari's success is consistency, as you say. Like, Leclerc's only had one podium, but he's fifth or sixth in the championship. And mm-hmm. science has uh, scored points in, like, over 10 races in, um, constantly, consistently. Yeah, he's got a really long run. Um, he has. I, I, and that's it. They just keep scoring points. And McLaren's also have good weekends and then bad ones where they don't really score any points at all, if any. But Ferrari yeah. don't have any amazing standout weekends. But they just constantly yeah. score points, and that's obviously what yeah. makes a difference. And yeah. I think it's down to the fact that cars are reliable, but their drivers yes. are excellent, both of them, and they yeah, have an exceptional true. driver partnership. Both young, both extremely talented. Um, and if you say these are, as you think, the two teams that can lead the championship next year, they're both sleeping giants. This could prove crucial because this is extra money that could be massive next year. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, I, I was a bit mad on my own Ferrari at the moment. Um, all right, I'd the like other one... Ferrari, you're gone. I was just going to say, I'd like Ferrari to hire someone called... I don't want them to fire Matia, but if they hired, I don't know, Mr. Charles Smith to be the new the new team principal, <laughs> then they'd have Charles, Charles and Carlos. C, what is it? C cubed. Cubed, yes, um, that would be good. great, that would be great, but they wouldn't have if we're never gonna hire Charles Smith, no, that's for they had yeah, Ross Braun. Oh, that's true, to be fair, that's true. Um, but that's because they took Michael Schumacher told them to hire him, so uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, anyway, so that, yes, yeah, so the other big, uh, perhaps even closer championship, uh, uh sort of uh, key constructive battle is between Alpine and Alpha Tauri, so mm. or I should say Alpha Gasly. Um, so there's uh, so Alpine have got a, uh, a similar. Know, yeah. I think it's exactly the same amount of points. I think it is what it was last week. It was, I think it's the it same again week. this week. Oh, yeah. it is the same again this um, week because Gasly yeah. came P yeah, seventh, and then uh, Alonso and Ocon eighth and ninth. So yeah, it's That's the same. Fine. Um, yeah, so they've been exceptionally close. Um, I think Ocon has about fifty points. Alonso about sixty something. And then Gasly has 70 or 80, and then Sonoda yeah. makes up the rest. And again, crucial. I mean, Alpine, again, another sleeping giant. They always have been. They're a works team. They've yeah. always been like a, a poor works team. They have a lot of money, a lot of resources, um, their own engine. Um, yeah. So they could have an exceptional 22. It might be Fernando Alonso 2022 world champion. Who knows? And if it is going to be, they probably do need to finish fifth because that is yeah. some key money in the, in the, in the bank. They're strange Alpine this year, really. They, yeah, I don't know. They, they've had, I can't think really of any standout weekends for them because sometimes, you know, Alonso's qualified maybe P5, and then that's very impressive. But generally speaking, they've just been very Aston Martin like, yeah, stuck in Q2, carving Q3. Um, uh, and I mean, if you think, if you take Ocon's win out of the picture, which could, I mean, could very easily have happened, you know, maybe Bottas steps on the brakes earlier. Then they they they're sixth by some way behind mm. Alpha Tauri, the sister team right. of Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not. It's, oh, it would be sixth, whatever. Yeah, sixth. yeah, it would be. And the other thing I saw the other day, Ocon's points total. I can't remember what it is, but you think twenty. He's got twenty five points on one race. It's not 
impressive, really. Yeah, by taking that out. Total. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that yeah. hides it a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I think, yeah, like you said, Alpha Gasly is the most, uh, the biggest takeaway for me is just yeah. how impressively he's driven again. Mm, he is. He's exceptional. Um, he just doesn't make him say it. Something he's unbelievably fast. Every week, every week he seems to be P five, best of the rest, yeah. somehow. Just by the Alpha Tauri, when they switch it on, it's a very good car to compete the McLarens. Yeah. But most of the time, the Ferraris, most of the time, they can't. Yeah. Um, so if, if, if I think sometimes if Alonso was doing that every week, perhaps the Alpine is a slower car, probably is. But if Alonso was doing that every week, it would be one of the stories of the season. Alonso, unbelievable, yeah. putting it at P four all time. Um, but it gets overlooked for Gasly. Because we come to expect really it. Remar- exactly, we've come to expect it. But it's really remarkable how well he's yeah. doing. And it's a scandal, frankly, if he doesn't ever get out of AlphaTauri. Mm, it is. And I think he will. Um, yeah, so I hope he does. 2023. That's my prediction. Well, yes. I mean, it'd be a good fit for one if he gets to a bigger team. Because he will be, I think, of a team that's built around him, not built around another driver exclusively, as he had at Red Bull. Yeah. I think he will be exceptional. Um, yeah. All right, so final segment, which is our impressed slash unimpressed segment. So picking a driver who we think hasn't got enough attention, either for good or for bad. So who have you picked? I think I will pick Charles Sainz, as I just didn't mean to call him, but uh, Carlos Sainz. Okay. Um, I had a good weekend, yeah. well, a very good weekend. You know, P3 in the sprint. Um, I can't remember where he finished in the race. Was it six? P five or P six? P five. Um, just very strong. I mean, another. You know, he's got if you count a sprint race as a proper podium, which I know it is, but still, then he's got two. Is the two podiums? I think this season mm. so he inherited yeah. one in Hungary. He got one in Silverstone, um, Monaco. For a guy in the new team, Stella this year really. Yeah, um, especially think... up against Leclerc. And you think how yes. Leclerc, in his first season in the top car, beat that Vettel. Mm. You know, I mean, that, and for Sainz to come into a new car and be, consistently match him, I think that's should be one of the stories of the season. And and, and he yeah. was again excellent this weekend. Um, yeah, I think really he is matured set... into mm. a solid, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's settled into in the new team better than anyone else who settled into a new team. Um, the secret is like Leclerc is for always driver, they've given him such an enormous contract, and he's clearly a part of their f- future planning for a long time if he wants it. Um, and so just to walk in there and match him is highly impressive. Um, yes, so my choice though, it's gonna be another driver who's impressed in their technically first season of the new team, um, was Alonso. So he didn't have an amazing qualifying. Um, didn't have an amazing sprint, but mm-hmm. his race was excellent. So he started behind Vettel and Ocon and Gasly um, out of the points, mm-hmm. and he was after lap one. But he was, one of, if not the only, one of the only drivers to make a one-stop work. And that meant he beat Vettel, who admitted he had a slow oh, stop yeah. and had and got lost just before the virtual safety car. He just pitted just before that. And he beat Ocon because he pitted once and he made it work and he got p 8 and the, the only way Alpine yeah. are going to finish P5 is they just keep scoring points, P7, P8, P9, P10, constantly. And on Alonso yeah. has, yeah. he just has a bit like Sides, he's just consistently scored points and done his job and got the maximum out of the car, which yeah. he always does. Um, because, and the reason I picked him out is he wasn't yes. been particularly noted for his performance, but he did a bit like 
Hamilton, though not as grandly, he did what he had to do, simply. And uh, that's yeah. what you can do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he has been. Yeah, I think he has been pretty sad this season. Hmm. But yeah. I'm excited to see him in a new car, new 2022 yeah. car, that none of the other drivers have got more experience at driving. Exactly. Yeah. And if he has a good car, he could see some of the magic again, which we haven't seen for so many years because, you know, 2014, he had a, he had a really bad Ferrari car. Then yeah. he went to McLaren and everything went downhill because he had an awful car every single year. And now he's probably yeah. the best car he's had in about, I don't know, eight years. Um, so if we can see him in front yeah. again, that would be quite something. Anyway, that's all we have time for. So thank you for listening. And uh, bye. Bye.